Welcome to the Sister Luna Psychic Services Podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Starchild. I'm your co-host, John <laughs> Fowler. Here we are. <laughs> I'm nervous about this one. Why are you nervous about this one? Because I want to do it justice. What is the topic that you would like to do justice? Real Seghead. <laughs> what? Real Seghead. Brio Seghead. Brio say head. Brio say head. Brio say head. No, I lost it. Brio say head. Bridget, but that's the computer pronouncing her like proper Irish name. Mm-hmm. She's a proper Irish lass. She's not a lass. She's a goddess. One of the Tuath de Danan. Tuath de Danan. Tuath. Those are the pantheon of deities from pre-Christian Ireland that then got written into all the tales as like fairies and heroes and shit because they were like, oh, gods? No. no." Oh, so that'd be like a... What's his name too? Huglin? Yeah. John was doing like air punching. (laughs) But Irish style. Yeah. That can't be a proper... You boxed. That's definitely not a thing. That's not your technique? No. Well, you're only half Irish, so... I'm not even half Irish. You have freckles. Actually, one of the things that I found when I was... Because obviously I have my understanding of her, but so I looked up some things and some of the stuff I found was kind of surprising and like funny. Okay. MythicalIreland.com describes her as a patron of warfare, or Briga. Her soldiers were called Brigands. Oh. I don't know if that's, like, true, because it's only on one source, and I couldn't find anything else about that, but I thought that that was kind of funny. Kind of sounds like Brigadier. What? Like a, a Brigadier. What the fuck is a brigadier? It's like a, a soldier, but on a like a pirate ship. Yeah, brigands. Yeah. Where the hell did you get the word brigadier? You I just... feel like that's a much more common word. It than, definitely than isn't. Brigand. No. Brigadier? You are just making the word brigand sound fancier. Well, no, it's that a brigadier You're, you're putting is... a top hat on the brigand. You're like, now he's a brigadier. If you must know, a brigadier is a military rank, the seniority of which depends on the country. What about a brigand? Uh, well, it's a member of a gang that ambushes and robs people in forests and mountains. So I think what was happening was I was thinking about this word, but I was using a much more common word. It's not a more common word. Well, brigand I- is a way more common word than brigadier. Uh, Brigadier had 24 million Google hits, and Brigand had 8,900,000. You can always tell that John is talking shit when he pulls on his little mustache hairs. (laughs) That's your tell. Just for the record. If you ever need to play high-stakes poker, don't pull on your mustache. I'll just shave. Great. (laughs) Like stroking the skin, probably. Yeah, you'd be like touching your your ghost mustache. 
I'd probably do that anyway. Last time I shaved it all, I was very, like, self-conscious. That was for our first date. Yeah. Maybe that's why I was self-conscious. Why? Why would you be self-conscious about going on a a date with me? I'm shy. Yeah, you sure were. Mm. Anyways, did you know that apparently when Bridget was born, she had flames shooting out of her head? (laughs) That's literally the exact phrasing. That's (laughs) a baby with flames shooting out of her head. Mm -hmm. And through them, she was united with the cosmos. What? I just thought that the image was pretty hilarious. Through the flames, she was united united with the cosmos. Mm -hmm. So she just shot out of there and into space. (laughs) No, because then she immediately turned around to drink the milk of a sacred cow that came from the spirit world, actually. So maybe it was a space cow. Yeah. Believe in space cow. (laughs) Okay. In all seriousness, though, Bridget is an important deity in my practice. Is that where, like, the sacred cow actually comes from? Well, I think it's one of those things where it, like, popped up in different parts of the world at the same time. Right. Because they have sacred cows in India as well. It's unrelated. No, of course, yeah. Yeah. But she's... Bridget is associated with, like, agriculture and cows. White cows, specifically. Hmm. Which is why I bought that white cow figurine when I was in India. Right. How many books do I have laying around with little scraps of paper sticking out of them? It's the rare case where you're doing work looks like the way I do work. Just books strewn about. Is that rare? I feel like you're normally much more, like, tidy than me. Oh. It's just because when I'm done, I put them all, stack them all back up again. In the middle of the work, they're everywhere. Oh. Yeah, it's called cleaning up after yourself. Or in a way, I'm always at the grind. I'll, you know, if you never put away all of your books, then you're always doing more things, accomplishing more. Never finished. Always learning. Always learning. I don't know. That seemed like an after-school special, like reading Rainbow, uh, yeah. but like, yeah. Like the more you know. Yeah, like exactly. It would come Always across the learning. screen with like on an angle <clears> in, the, in the 3D font with like little stars on the sides. You get what you're putting down. What do you want to know about Bridget? Because I just have a lot of different information. Like each of these books has at least one tab <laughs> open, book tab. So. Well. Why don't I start by describing Bridget as I know her? The, mm. the Cliff's Notes, the, the introduction, the okay. thing that most people might know, but that you'll probably need to correct me. So Bridget, Bridget is the goddess of the flame and of smithing and of warfare. Brigands. You kind of just like learned yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and Imbolc is the celebration of her. Um, so she is also the goddess of the hearth, 
think she has health in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she's multifaceted. Yeah, she was kind of like a catch-all goddess in Ireland. In fact, in Celtic Myth and Magic by Edain McCoy, which people hate this book, so I would not be surprised if we got some emails about it. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, what's it called? Celtic Myth and Magic. Uh, They're like, that's not historically accurate. Which may be true, I don't really know. But um, people got super mad about it. Anyways. Anyways. Um, it says... <sighs> She's the great mother goddess of Ireland. At one time in history, most of Ireland was united in praise and worship of her. Um, and it says she was probably one and the same with Dana, the first great mother goddess of the Irish. And in this one, the Celtic consciousness it repeatedly refers to her as being synonymous with Dana. Hmm. So, I guess, yeah. That's the consensus. It's so strange because I've, I feel like always, at least peripherally, maybe not always, but for a long time, known about Bridget and never really knew about Dana. Like, I never really... Right. That's just weird. Like, I guess it's probably because Bridget got sainted. Mm. Yeah. Leave it to Romans. <sighs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that could be one of those things. Um, you, see it, you see it in the Greek pantheon a lot where it's just kind of like regionalism. Right. Uh, like in Athens, they treat Athena as a, a more prominent goddess than she actually is in the Pantheon. Could be the case here. Yes, in Kildare. Kildare? Kildare is where Bridget's temple was. Mm, yeah. And it's where her monastery now is. Okay. I forgot one book, though. Ouch. So when you were listing the things that Bridget is the goddess of, you missed a few. Okay. Poetry. Hmm. And sacred waterways. Sacred waterways. Yeah, like streams or wells, especially wells. So she's got both fire and water. Mm-hmm. And even earth in a way as well with the like. She's the avatar. Yeah, that's right. There's no airbenders, mm-hmm. so to train her airbending. So the fire nation attacked. She learned metal bending though. Uh, yeah. Metallurgy. <laughs> yeah. So one way that we see her a lot in like neo-paganism is in a triple form where she tends three different types of flames. The flame in the hearth, the flame in the forge, and the flame of inspiration. Hmm. Because she's associated with poetry and like creative right. passion. So how how would that be different from the forge? Well, because when you are actually crafting a physical item versus creating a story or a poem, that it's different. Hmm. Obviously, don't you think? Well, I think the fine gentleman on the television show Forged in Fire would disagree with that, but. I do see what you're saying. I don't think he would because I think he would say, well, when you're forging a sword, you're actually making something 
that you can hold on to mm. versus if you're just writing a poem, it's not like it doesn't exist in the same way. Right. Yeah, the only thing they're actually like creating in that show is a way to bore women. That guy, that host who like tries out all the swords, he is 100% a serial murderer. Oh, they're all like it's like between him and the judges, it's like the four most prominent archetypes of creep that there are. <laughs> He's the worst though. Hmm. Your blade will kill. Oh, that's not the host. That's oh. one of the judges. Okay, I meant that guy. Yeah. Serial killer. Hmm. Like he has a basement full of bodies. I'm sure of it. Uh, the host is the guy that's got more of like a gym teacher vibe. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> gym teacher vibe. You knew who I was talking about. Sure did. Sure did, baby. So then... No, go ahead. What? Oh, well, I, I just want to return to the question then. The, the fire of the hearth, that's your home. That's the healing, protection, agriculture, like livestock hmm. part. And the forge is the war and the general metallurgy. Huh. And then and crafting of like other types, generally crafting she's associated with. Cool. And then I thought of that when I was like looking in at these, like looking more closely at her being relevant in ways that I don't use her for, use her for. I don't associate her with, and I thought that she would be good for you to invoke when you're doing woodworking. Yeah. Because it's craft. Hmm. But you could also do lug. Same right. idea. Sorry. You were saying. Or and then the flame poetry. of creativity is... Inspiration. Yeah. And poetry and like bardic culture was very highly regarded in Ireland. Still is. Still is. A crack. <laughs> yeah. But like the Druids were a fully just a whole bunch of folks that knew a lot of stories mm. <laughs> you know what I mean like that's basically that was a big part of what they did was go around and like tell all the stories along with keeping like the laws and what other stuff but, yeah so I don't know it just makes still sense still strong liqueurs <laughs> it, what the Irish druids, they would create, like, strong liqueurs. Oh. can't remember what the Irish version, version, eh, version is, but in Scotland, it's called Buckfast. It's basically, like, if you were to try and make four loco in a monastery. <laughs> okay. The empty bottles are one of the main assault weapons in the British Isles. No. Yeah. <laughs> It's just druidic fight juice. <laughs> okay. Um, great. I was going to say that the reason, like, it makes sense that they would have a goddess of, like, that their main goddess would be a goddess of, like, the written word. Mm -hmm. Or, well, not the written word, I guess, but of, like, 
stories and poetry, given the... Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Two points that I do not understand. Why is she associated with blackberries? And why do I keep finding references to serpents? There are no snakes in Ireland. There are, like, when humans were in Ireland, there are never any snakes with them at the same time. So there's got to be something that's added, like, later. Or someone else decided snakes. There are snakes there now. Maybe, but... They're called the English. (laughs) I think it is truly that people, like, when you're saying people from the Roman Empire were coming over with their stories about snakes, like, you know, Hmm. the Garden of Eden and all that jazz, then they're like, oh, snakes for you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's maybe where it came from because they're literally don't have snakes. That's why there's the whole thing of like, oh, Patrick drove all the snakes out of Ireland. Right. It's like, well, there were never any snakes. So, lizards. <laughs> well, that, yeah. I'm not sure then. Because it, for some reason, I, I can picture like serpents being in their mythology. It's a fake thing. People say that druids had like tattoos of snakes but where the fuck would they have gotten the idea for a snake tattoo if they never seen a snake before it doesn't make any sense well why like why did the welsh invent dragons why did the scots have unicorns well those are like stories of made-up animals like unicorns and dragons aren't real they don't exist in other parts of the world besides wales and scotland or okay but you all. could like you come up with the idea of a snake in your so head. you're trying to tell me that some druid just invented a snake in his mind her mind their mind whomever was guys gals and non-binary druid pals then they just like Believed decided, in it hard enough. Decided that there was a lizard with no feet, and they're like, "This is a, it's called a snake, and I'm gonna tattoo it on me." Well, by your tone, you're suggesting that's ridiculous. It is. So no. maybe that's one of the reasons why people don't like this book because it does say that it says she warrioress, protectress, a healer, a guardian of children, a slayer of serpents a sovereign, and a goddess of fire and the sun. Still other sources say she was the goddess of agriculture, animal husbandry, medicine, crafting, and music. Uh, Anyways, yeah, so I don't understand where the snake thing came from, but like I said, I have my assumptions regarding the Bible. And also, every single place you look where you're like, what's associated with Bridget, it says blackberries. Blackberries. Are there blackberries in Ireland? I don't know, probably. But even if there are, they wouldn't be ripe at Imbolc, right? And, like, I can't seem to find any... Usually if there's a specific food associated with a deity, it's, like, because it's in a folktale or because it was available at the time of their feast day, you know what I mean? And that's not the case, and I don't understand. So if anyone listening can tell me why Bridget is supposed to like blackberries, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> but, yeah, 
I don't fucking know, man. Someone asked me that when we had Imbolc last year, and I just like, my brain just short-circuited. I was like, wait, <laughs> what? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, couldn't tell you. I didn't know about the Blackberry thing, so I did know about the, the serpent thing. I'm sticking with my story. Hmm. I'm feeling like that's probably right. Okay, do you want to hear an excerpt from Celtic Myths and Legends by T.W. Rolleston? I would love to. The coming of the people of Dana. We now come to by far the most interesting and important of the mythical invaders and colonizers of Ireland, the people of Dana. The name Tuath de Danan means literally the folk of the god whose mother is Dana. Dana also sometimes bears another name, that of Brigid, a goddess held in much honor by pagan Ireland, whose attributes are in a great measure transferred in legend to the Christian Saint Brigid of the 6th century. Her name is also found in Gaulish, Gaelish inscriptions as, maybe it is Gaulish. Yeah, it is, I think. Brigindo, <laughs> and occurs in several British inscriptions as Brigantia. <laughs> it reminds me of the Pragananda. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love that video so much. Go on YouTube and search how is Perganat formed. <laughs> you will cry laugh. It's my favorite. Anyway, she was the daughter of the supreme head of the people of Danon, the god Dagda, the good. She had three sons who are said to have had in common one only son named Ecni, that is to say, knowledge or poetry. So she's the mother of poetry, <laughs> knowledge. And poetry himself is a person, some god. Is yeah. a god. Yeah. Yeah. Ecni then may be said to be the god whose mother was Dana, and the race to whom she gave her name are the clearest representatives we have in Irish myths of the powers of light and knowledge. It will be remembered that alone among all these mythical races, Tuan MacCarroll gave to the people of Dana the name of God. Yet it is not as gods that they appear in the form in which Irish legends about them have now come down to us. Christian influences reduced them to the rank of fairies or identified them with fallen angels. Typical. Right? They were conquered by the Milesians, who are conceived as an entirely human race who had all sorts of love and war with them until quite recent times. Yet even in the later legends, a certain splendor and exaltation appears to invest the people of Dana, recalling the high estate from which they had been dethroned. So what were they? Gods. They, like they were a, a people, like a race. No, I don't think so. I think it's like just tales. Okay. Like a creation myth, basically. Right, but like in the creation myth, they were themselves like 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 it wasn't just the notable ones that that existed. Like it was it was a whole. Oh, bunch of I see what you mean. I think it's just like a yeah. I guess it's kind of like in Lord of the Rings where they're like, oh, the age of elves. Right. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? And like, really, any elf compared to a human could be like a god because mm -hmm. they're that much more advanced than oh, humans certainly. are. You know, mm -hmm. Tolkien explanations. <laughs> but I think it's kind of like that. But also, they have a lot of specific figures that the, you know right. the stories are about, like Dana, Brigid, Dagda, etc. 
I have all these books about Celtic myth and I always get so excited when I start to read them and then when I get a little ways in I always get discouraged and like annoyed because I am reminded that every single Celtic myth was written down by like some monk right and it's just really bums me out they're all changed and even when you read them, it doesn't read right a lot of times. Like, you're, like, going, this story doesn't really make sense. It's got to be a rewrite. <laughs> like, a badly done rewrite. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's it's complicated. I mean, they wouldn't have been written down at all, most likely, if it weren't for that. Because it was an oral tradition. Oh, yeah, no. I But I wouldn't point to it, like, not making sense. Uh, as the indicator that it like that the translation was was bad because oh i'm not saying that it was lost in translation i'm saying they changed the story on purpose to make it fit their narrative yeah okay yeah no for sure so this is following our episode about imbolc and there's a line about that here in the celtic consciousness edited by robert o'driscoll February 1st continued into this century to be widely celebrated as the feast day of the gentle goddess Bridget, or Bride. In origin, daughter of the Irish god, the Dagda, goddess in triple form with a special interest in the spheres of metallurgical skills, the arts generally, and the flocks in particular. She was taken over into Christianity as St. Bridget of Kildare, and her cult spread widely. Sorry, the flocks? Yeah, I just read that too, and I was like, what's that mean? <laughs> she was a shepherd? Maybe. But it, he says the arts generally, and the flocks in particular. Huh. So it sounds like it's something to do with art. Interesting. The feast was known as Imbolc, and on this day, the ewes were alleged to begin to lactate. We already talked about this. <laughs> oh my god, this is annoying. They said that she was the midwife of the virgin. Yeesh. I just, they basically make her Mary's midwife and Jesus's like nanny. <laughs> and you're like, what? I thought they were in Bethlehem. What the fuck is he getting midwife in Ireland? What? <laughs> well, it's the same reason that he had those striking. Blue eyes and blonde hair. Yeah, exactly. That is an interesting quirk, I guess, that they would try to canonize Bridget into the into like the Christ myth. It's uh, because she was so widely worshipped that they were like, we're not gonna get be able to get rid of her. I think. Right. Yeah. You know, and they were like, uh, we'll just make her Mary two point basically. Yeah, I mean that like that makes sense completely, but. Uh, and I guess this would have been much later, but when they were colonizing, Christianizing the Americas, they were just like, no, like none of your gods are real or had anything to do with it, but we can give you these saints in their place and you can worship them if you still need to talk to like death or the harvest. And also like Jesus is very white. We know you people are you know, had melanin, but he did not. What? I just, it, it isn't, it 
makes me mad. <laughs> oh yeah, no, like it, I'm not saying either one of those is better or worse. Like they are both awful. It's just interesting that like, and this is, I mean, literally confirmed by a lot of the early missionaries to the Americas is is they did believe in like very much a racial hierarchy, and so it's like indigenous people of the Americas were not they definitely weren't seen as white but they like it was said by them that they would be Christianized easier because they were closer to white than like the people of Africa oh right um no no one expected that the Spanish Inquisition uh <laughs> You'd think, yeah, um, you're welcome. I set you up to do the joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You'd think that the Irish wouldn't be hard to convert given that. I think it wasn't like they rejected Jesus necessarily. I think it was just that they were like, oh, yeah, he can he can jo- join, I guess, if he wants. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they weren't. Yeah. Okay. And here it's talking about doing divination to foretell the weather and the degree of prosperity of the household during the coming year. Mm. On the eve of the festival of Imbolc, there was a festive supper of rustic delicacies for the members of the household. Groups of young people in disguise or fancy dress went masking from house to house. The good St. Bridget, patroness of farm work and cattle and protector of the household from fire and calamity, was said to be abroad, and steps were taken to bid her welcome and obtain her protection. Usually the masking groups represented the saint, or carried her effigy or symbols, and called down her blessing on the houses visited. What's a rustic delicacy? I don't know. I was imagining, like, some kind of an oat cake or Hmm. something. Hmm. Not sure. I'd have a good oat cake. (laughs) A little butter, a little honey on that. Yep. Didn't we have that? Last year? I'm not sure, but I remember after I was done being, like, possessed, I was like, someone get the cake, please. (laughs) Are we going to get into that story? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, what point are we at? Is there anything else you want me to tell you about Bridget before that? No. Oh, I want to, um, talk about... Confessions of a Pagan Nun, the book. Okay. So, John laughed because this is like my favorite book and I'm always demanding that people read it. It's one of those. I've bought this like at least three times because I keep giving it to people. It's called Confessions of a Pagan Nun by Kate Horsley. And it's historical fiction, but it's based on a writing from around Patrick era Ireland. It was written on a pigskin, written with, like, written down in Gaelic by a woman from that era. It's just, like, unheard of. Mm. For Gaelic to be written down is very rare. And for there to be any written stuff from that time that's not like, written by Patrick that we still have. Well, and and for a woman to have a football. (laughs) And for it to be written by a woman. Guinevere, 
was her name, the Hmm. author of the text that was translated. Like Patrick, she wrote in and around Ireland. It's a great pagan nun name. Guinevere? Yeah. (laughs) So regal. Of the letters and other documents written in the earliest days of Christianity, few survive whose authenticity is unquestionable. Most of these were written in Latin. I give as an example two documents from the same general period as that of the manuscript presented here. The Confessio of St. Patrick, written around 450 AD, and the letters of the nun Egeria, who wrote an account of her pilgrimage to the east early in the 5th century for the benefit of her sisters in northern Spain or southern France. Guinevere, the author of the text translated here, in addition to writing around 50 years after the time when Patrick and Egeria were writing, was near them in other aspects as well. Like Patrick, she wrote in and about Ireland, and like Egeria, she was a woman of whose name and identity are not clarified in any history of her time. However, the differences are more significant than the similarities. Unlike Patrick or Egeria, who wrote in ecclesiastical Latin, Guinevere wrote in Gaelic, her native tongue. She was also literate in Latin and Greek, as can be seen in her accounts of her duties. One may speculate that the use of Gaelic, a language so personal and beloved to her, led her to give details of her life unusual in other texts of this time. I could go on and read this whole like forward, but I won't. Um, but it's like the novel that follows. It's not obviously the direct translation of that mm-hmm. thing, but it's about a nun who is translating texts, like recording them in Latin, writing them out, like, because all books, you couldn't just like print it. You had to literally sit there and write the whole book. So that's what she's doing is like sitting in this little cloche, Mm. this like little stone hut thing, like writing books. And she, when she was a child, it was before Christianity happened, which again, that's probably the fiction part because 50 years after Patrick, well, depends on how old she is, I guess, when she's writing it. Anyway, she's pagan and she lives in like a tuath and it's just like her life. And then eventually Christianity just happens and she already... Oops. Yeah, she already worshipped at the Temple of Bridget her whole life. And then they're like, now this is the... <laughs> Under new management. Yeah, now this is the uh, monastery of Bridget. And then eventually she comes back and she's like, okay, well, I guess I'll just be a nun at this monastery now because it's still Bridget, right? Hmm. Like, I don't it's know. 11. It's a really, really good book. Yeah. Like, I want to say more reasons why it's good, but I don't want to spoil it. So you should just read it. That's probably the first thing, actually, that this book is probably the first thing that got me really, really interested in Bridget and her myths and, like, her association with sacred wells. Hmm. That's a big point in this story, where they almost cast this Guinevere character as, like, her story mirrors kind of the story of Bridget in a lot of ways. Okay. Like, pagan to Christian and other things as well interesting yeah and there's a sacred well at the monastery air quotations of Bridget in Kildare Ireland it's on my bucket list to go there yeah and it's like the well has probably been there 
for like longer than the monastery. It's just interesting to me that it's like, I don't know, like a relic. Hmm. And it's called, um, people hang like little bits of cloth near sacred water areas called clutes. Clutes? Yep. And you literally take like a strip of cloth and dip it in the sacred water and then you tie it onto like a tree branch or something. And then people often do it for healing or for just like wishes and you're your wish will be granted when the cloth is like disintegrated. We briefly touched on that in the Moloch episode. Did we? We did. Okay. That act of um, hanging those clutes is called well dressing. As opposed to dressing well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, her name in English or Latin English, Bridget means exalted one, which is probably. Well, I mean, it's definitely from the, like, Christian rewrite of, oh, like, yeah. oh, saint, exalted. <laughs> they love, like, exalted one, anointed one. Oh, that's her favorite. Um, but her name, her Irish name. Brio Sighead. <laughs> Brio Sighead. Means fiery power. <laughs> like, how much more awesome is that than exalted one fiery power fiery arrow briosaic head (laughs) oh my god one more book hold on this one has the actual ritual that we did last year written on it how do you recall last year's in bulk celebration going from your perspective well i have seeing you do many blessings or guided meditations or I guess blessings would be the most accurate, but like prayers or dedications to the the holiday. And so uh, at first it seemed very much like that. It was, it was that you were telling us about the holiday and about Bridget and about the meaning of Inbolc. And then there was a strength and a poise that was added to, which is not to say that you are ever lacking in strength or poise, but there was additional quantities of both of those. And God, I wish we recorded it. Um, Yeah, I don't remember what I said at all. No, I, I can't recall specifically either, but... Then yeah, you said what you did, and you were silent for quite a while. And as was everyone else, like everyone was very struck by it. Whether, I mean, um, a lot of the people there were not like, I mean, many of them don't practice any of this um, and are otherwise like not spiritually attuned or like interested. Well, I mean, only Melissa was like a total novice. Yeah. And Melissa and then you. Right, yeah. Because Michelle and Jared both practice. Not as much as I do, but they definitely do practice. Sure, yeah. But Especially it, Jared. It's probably that's the order, mm-hmm. you know, of like how often people do it. Yeah, but everyone was quite taken aback. No one wanted to break the silence, certainly after. I'm just kind of basked in, in the warmth, the energy. 
Okay, so this is how Inbulk 2020 went for me. As I had planned to have these five people, including myself, to celebrate that day. We were all in the same house, in the same room, mm-hmm. breathing each other's air. Yep. Eating food, shared mouth. food. Yeah, we all like made out with each other. As soon as each time someone arrived, I just like French kissed them mm. for 45 seconds. <laughs> uh, but when I was preparing for everyone to get there, I was like baking bread and just like mulling about the kitchen and like kind of setting up the altar next to the the hearth, like the actual fireplace, which was in the kitchen. So it was like very perfectly set up for that situation. And the whole time I was doing it, I kept thinking to myself, just like, oh, I'm in a way, I'm like, as I'm aligning with Bridget, with like the themes of the holiday. I'm going to try to put myself in her shoes and try to see, you know, what that perspective feels like for me. And But it was all very just like casual. It wasn't, I was just thinking about it. Like, oh, you know, I wonder... I kind of feel like I can feel like the presence of that energy, like, you know, oh, nice. I'm going to bake this bread. Tra-la-la. And then I actually have the ritual plan in front of me. And props to Ritual Craft. Can you see the author on that? It's the purple book on the top shelf there. Amber K. Amber K. Oh, I should have just guessed. And Azrael Aaron Kay. Right. Um, so Ritual Craft, Amber Kay, is, has proved to be an invaluable resource when I am building group rituals. I use it every single time. So props for that. Anyways, it, this outline is pretty much straight from that book. We have a pre-ritual activity, which in our case was making butter. Oh, yeah. And fire divining. Remember it's fun. And then I did a brief, who is Bridget? So that's probably like the part that you were mentioning, which I do that every time it seems like because we're always practicing with people who aren't familiar. Yeah. Pretty much always. We did an attunement, which was that I just told a story about mm. Bridget, which I wonder if I have that in here. Okay, we didn't have... Oat cakes. We had buttered bread and mead because we just made butter. Right. Yeah. And we drank the mead because we had made it because we are mead people. <laughs> Bridget's feast day in the belly, lactating ewes. Oh, there's a story about her cloak creating a milk lake. I think that might be the folktale that I told. Well, you have your attunement there. The attunement is says snow waters. It's like I told people to bring snow from their home, remember? And we put it all together into one jar so that snow from each person's house was all together in one jar, like creating, a, like symbolizing the community or the coven. And we dipped fabrics into it. Right. Like a clutie. Like a, yeah. And we made fire cider and... I have written on here, altar decor, white cow, dirt candle, Bridget's cross, snow water. Here we go. Evoking deity. Bridget, we seek to honor you and feast in your name on this your sacred day of Imbolc. We humbly invite you to join us as we mix a healing potion. Fire cider. 
and we ask that you bless our work with your sacred fire. Oops, I scratched out sacred up there and put it down by fire. This is my notes are very organized. We offer you bread, butter, and blackberries. <laughs> and we offer you clutis and mead. Bridget, divine keeper of the hearth, the forge, and the fire within, please come and be welcome at our circle. And I think I wrote here under fire cider, like, encouraged to let the goddess guide you intuitively in adding ingredients. Because I just brought, like, all the stuff mm-hmm. into the circle for people to use. And that's it. Next entry in here is from February 20th. So after I did the evocation to invite her, she actually came, I think, because I heard her voice in my head and got the feeling like someone's standing right behind you. You know how your back gets like tingly? You can feel mm-hmm. someone's there kind of feeling. Yeah. Not exactly like that, kind of. And that there was just like the question in my head of like, who let me in? And I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) A little timid like that. Yeah. And then I've never done it before. Never like truly aspected a goddess before. Hmm. Especially not in that way. Like in front of a bunch, like during a ritual in front of a bunch of people. And so then I was like, well, I knew like knowledge wise that the point of doing that is so that the goddess can address the coven like that's how that's what the service that the priestess is doing is for yeah so i thought okay well i just have to say i just have to like let all these words come out of my mouth and i was literally hearing it as it was coming out of my mouth like Mm -hmm. as i was saying it I wasn't thinking it and then saying it like you normally talk. Just, I would hear my voice saying it and be like, oh, interesting point. (laughs) 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 And then when it was over, I was so like tired and just like drained. And I realized I still had to close this whole ritual. Like we had to do the cakes and ale. We had to like say thanks and goodbye to all the corners and spirits and whatever guides that we invited. And I was just like, I can't do that right now. And I literally just turned to the person beside me. I'm pretty sure it was Michelle. And I was just like, can you get the cakes? (laughs) You just (laughs) take over. Hmm. And then Michelle and Jared, like, stepped up and finished it all for me, pretty much. And then I went and laid on the couch. (laughs) Well, it was Bridget's special day, so of course she was going to wear the nicest things she could find. Aww, that's sweet. Um, I think we joked that, like, because afterwards everybody's kind of nervous and, like, weird. Yeah. You know? Um, and some people were like, oh, I think I said like, oh, Bridget is like, people call on her for protection sometimes. Like Bridget's shield. It's like a shield with a pentagram on it. Like, yeah. Call it for, to protect you. And then I joked that in another, because it's her feast day, like probably a lot of people are summoning her that day. And then I was like, in another dimension, someone's like castle is getting stormed and they're like, Bridget, help (laughs) us. And she's like, you know what? These people made me cakes and like blackberries. So 
sorry, but I really have to take accept this invitation instead. <laughs> One for me. Yeah. God's love cake. It's a thing. I've said this before on this podcast. We love it. It's because they hadn't invented all the like bullshit new desserts yet. There were no cronuts. Yeah. No cream puffs. Yeah. Macarons. It was a fun experience. I feel like I also remember you saying that the music just like cut out oh, right yeah. before yeah. that Bridget started talking. Yeah, because we just had the like USB speaker going and it was some kind of energy disrupted it. Yeah, cut it out. Yeah, that was very impressive. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. <laughs> I don't feel like I really did much. Just a vessel. You... I was the USB speaker for Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, yeah. But you set up the the right conditions for her to come in and to be celebrated and to speak her piece. I like to believe it has something to do with my years of dedication to the craft as well and not just like a fluke. Oh, for sure. <laughs> But that's what I mean, is you wouldn't have been able to to tune that room to create the right environment to happen if you didn't have all that experience and if you weren't so good at this. Mm, thanks. Welcome. Well, any final thoughts on Bridget? What are we going to do this year for Imbolc? We are definitely having a fire. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Blackberry pie? <laughs> Someone please explain to me the situation with the blackberries. I'm so confused. Bridget, please come back this year and explain <laughs> the blackberries to me. I am literally going to write a folk tale about Bridget and blackberries just to make myself feel better, <laughs> to like explain it. And I'll literally put a disclaimer. I could never find out why this association exists, so I made it <laughs> like I made it up. <laughs> The monks can do it. Why not me? It was a corporate sponsorship deal from the cell phone company. <laughs> Didn't pet now. I kind of want to make myself like a crown that looks like I have flames shooting out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe do like a painting of a baby with the flames shooting out of its head. <laughs> I feel like that was one of the, the Hunger Games outfits. Flames? Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> not shooting out of their head though. No. It's like the dress lights on fire, not the right. hair. <laughs> Maybe one of Peta's. I could have it. Like um, Hades from Disney's Hercules. He has the like, yeah. fire hair. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. <laughs> I love Megara so much. I'm a damsel. I'm in distress. I can handle it. Have a nice day. <laughs> She's the best. <laughs> No, she's not. Bridget is the best. Right. Bridget is my number one gal. Bridget, we know you're listening. It's going to be a smaller event this year, but come on back. Mm -hmm. We'd love to have you by the fire. Sister Luna says, If you want to build a good fire, make sure that your wood and your kindling are dry. You can use witch's beard as kindling or some dry leaves. Small twigs are essential to help your kindling catch the larger pieces of wood that you add in. I prefer the cabin method. John likes the teepee. <laughs> I like both. Concentric teepees and cabins is the way to go. 
Blessed be and stay warm this in bulk. Ciao. Why did you say ciao? <laughs> <laughs>